Genja Genja in the rice fields all around. The boy's mother came plucking the Genja. With one basket full, she turned away without looking. Genja Genja was brought home. Genja Genja was sold in the morning market. Arranged, lined, tied, and then peddled. The girl's mother bought Ganjel while holding a container from woven bamboo. Ganjel Ganjel would now be cooked. Ganjel Ganjel went into a pot of boiling water. Half cooked, then drained for a side dish, with a plate of rice and sambal on the couch. Ganjel Ganjel was eaten with rice. Now, what if I told you that Genja Genja, the song I just played you, a song about plucking, selling, cooking weeds? No, no, not 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 like marijuana weed, but like you know, grass grows kind of weed. Uh, Genja is a kind of weed. Is arguably the most politically charged, the most controversial, and the most subversive song of twentieth century Indonesia. Yeah, I'm not kidding. So, during the New Order military regime under General Suharto of the 1960s all the way to the 1990s, even humming the song could get you into serious trouble. The authorities would swoop down on you, threaten you, maybe even throw you into jail for good measure. And even today, in Indonesia's messy, vibrant, decentralized democracy, Genja Genja is still a song that instantly provokes a wide range of reactions and is best avoided if you want to save yourself a trip to the police station. So what's up with this little ditty about weeds that makes it, you know, so controversial? Well, you know, the story begins as a lot of stories about Southeast Asia do with the Japanese occupation during World War II. So those years were hard and long and people would often go hungry because, you know, they didn't have food. And so, in the little town of Bayuwangi, which is in East Java, mothers would resort to plucking genjer, a type of weed, for sustenance. And so, genjer is a symbol of those hard times under the oppressive rule of the Japanese. It's a food of the poor, of the oppressed, of the downtrodden. And genjer, this potent symbol, was picked as a subject of a song by one Muhammad Arif, a local artist that played the anklong, which is a sort of bamboo tube percussion instrument. In 1942, in the midst of the Japanese occupation, though the exact dates are kind of disputed, he wrote this song in the Osing dialect of the locals to tell of the hardship, the suffering, and the tenacity of the mothers of Bayuwangi in facing the horrors of war. 
Now, you have to remember that during the occupation, there was a conscious effort by the Japanese military administration to inculcate a sense of uh, affinity for Japanese culture amongst Indonesians. So, Japanese was taught in schools, Japanese propaganda was used to recruit volunteers to fight the Allied powers, and Japanese rhetoric about Asians standing up for Asia, etc., etc., was at an all-time high. And of course, one of the most important tools for this kind of education, as one might put it, was songs. And to this day, many older Indonesians can still very keenly sing the national anthem of Japan, the Kimigayo. And so, in this context of Japanese songs being pushed as a way of Japanizing the locals, of sort of like coercing them and making them more cooperative with the regime, you can see Genja Genja as a form of resistance sung in the very, very local Osing language, using the imagery of mothers fending for their families, strongly rooted in the ideas of farming and self-reliance, while being very keenly aware of the hardship that the Japanese are bringing on. It's a song that's firmly grounded in the local culture of Bayuwangi. It's a way of resisting the imperialist sort of like homogenizing reach of the Japanese occupation. But of course, that occupation ended, and soon after came independence for Indonesia. In the years after independence, the song became popularized by singers on radio like Lili Suryani and Bing Slamet. It became a national song, a song of the common people that would be hummed by farmers, factory workers and market vendors all over the country. Got the call, who put the gang? 
But the themes of hardship never went away. Almost immediately, the Communist Party of Indonesia picked it up as a campaign song. They would go around villages and towns and factories and farms speaking to the crowds. Everywhere they held a rally, it was like a carnival with music before and after speeches. And Genjer Genjer was at the forefront of it all. Very soon, it became synonymous with the party. To sing Genjer Genjer was to be acutely aware of the deep class divides between the rural and the urban, the elites and the proletariat. It was a revolutionary song that grew ground up like weeds from the ground, from the hardship of the common people. The founding leader of Indonesia, President Sukarno, had cultivated a delicate political system that balanced on one hand the military and on the other the Communist Party of Indonesia. The idea was that President Sukarno would balance on the left the Communist Party, on the right the military regime, so that he could guide Indonesia towards a small, sort of like centrist path between the two and avoid outright conflict. However, by 1965, with conditions of famine and economic hardship in Indonesia, increasing dependence on the Soviet Union due to Sukarno's anti-imperialist ideology, the Communist Party had become ascendant with 3 million members, the PKI, the Communist Party, was the largest non-ruling Communist Party in the world. The delicate system that was predicated on equality and no taking sides and with no one party becoming stronger than the other was out of balance. The military grew increasingly resentful and conflict between the two sides was inevitable. And on the 30th of September 1965, hostilities exploded. A group of soldiers calling themselves the 30th September Movement assassinated six Indonesian army generals in the early hours of the morning. They declared that they were taking over government and had President Sukarno in custody. By the end of the day, on the 1st of October, however, the coup d'etat had failed. Now, today, there are several theories as to who planned and executed the entire abortive coup attempt. And there's a very good amount of literature that the entire thing 
was planned by the military itself against its own members in an internal struggle. However, at the time, the blame was put squarely on the Communist Party. A call to purge society of the Communists was put out. What followed was nothing less than a massacre. Now, scholars are still unsure of the numbers, but an estimated 500,000 were killed in the aftermath. General Suharto rose to power in this murderous climate and would rule for the next 30 years. And so, in the Suharto era, Genje Genje, the song, became the bogeyman. It was the song that could not be sung, that must not be sung. Anyone caught was instantly roped up as a communist sympathizer. And in fact, the writer of the song, Muhammad Arif himself, was rounded up and executed. Genje Genje did not fade into oblivion, however. But rather, every year, on the 30th of September, the anniversary of the coup attempt, it would be aired by the government as part of a film called Pengkhianatan G30S PKI, The Betrayal of the 30th September Movement and the Communist Party of Indonesia. This film, produced by the government, portrayed the communists as evil, heartless, murderers and traitors. What you're hearing now is a scene from the movie where kidnapped army generals, purportedly heroes of the nation who sacrificed themselves, while these generals are being tortured by communists while being surrounded by communist sympathizers who are singing and dancing to a bastardized version of Genje Genje. Here, the lush melody of Genja Genja is drowned out by the guttural, heart-pounding like drums, the eerie primal chants, and the sounds of irreverent shouting and anguish in the background. Genja Genja is transformed from a folk song of resilience to a nightmarish siren call of death and debauchery. Of course, today the government is no longer a military government and under current President Joko Widodo, the future of Indonesian democracy looks bright. And so, they don't screen that nightmarish film anymore. That being said, Genje Genje is still taboo. There's still a lot of stigma and bias and prejudice against anything that's related to the PKI for fear of being labelled a socialist, a communist. There's still sort of remnants of Cold War fears of rebellion and traitors. Within those restrictions, however, 
lie the realms of possibility. Many young Indonesian artists today are rediscovering the rich heritage of Genjer Genjer and reappropriating it as a song of resistance for the woes of today. Take, for example, this super cool rendition by the group Raz of Nation that combines hip-hop and dangdut, Indonesia's most popular folk music genre. Once again, class anxieties rise to the fore as the artist raps about being a boy who's asking where his father is. And his father is someone who struggles to earn a living, who have, has to move to the city to support his family. Now I want to leave you with a rendition of Genja Genja that I find incredibly compelling. It's one that returns to combine the mediums of film and music in rehabilitating Genja Genja. Genja 2 is a collaboration between international artist activist Philistine with Indonesian singer Nova Roof and Indonesian director Astu Prasidia. That's particularly poignant as the video is filmed inside an ancient Javanese house, almost a sort of sacred space, and is interspersed with scenes of wayang, of Indonesian shadow puppetry. But instead of the usual puppets of deities and demons, you have businessmen in suits and concrete buildings. At the same time, the singer Nova grapples with a very complicated legacy. See, her grandfather was one of the soldiers who participated in the purge of the communists under Suharto, and she grew up on stories of her grandma having to wield a pistol to fend for herself in the fear of communists. It's a contemporary, complex take on it that is at once global yet rooted in the vernacular, that is grounded in the inequalities of today while acknowledging the burden of the past. Now, if the government produced a nightmarish, primal Genja Genja, and if we consider that Genja Genja the shadow, then this Genja too, by Philistine and Nova Roof, is the light. Together, the stories of Genja Genja, they form the story of Indonesia, through colonialism, occupation, nationalism, genocide, dictatorship, then revolution. That story continues today. This is Kajin from the podcast Same Same But Different for all things Southeast Asia. 
And we'll end with an excerpt of the song that I just waxed lyrical about. Though, you should really check out the full version, especially the one with the video. It's on YouTube. You can get it off Amazon as well, iTunes, the whole works. Anyway, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Bye!